A little sun, a little rain, a little chaos, a wild qualifying Saturday, but the same result we've been seeing all year. It was Red Bull victorious once again. Max Verstappen winning his second Monaco Grand Prix at his fourth Grand Prix of the 2023 season. But it was now without a story, so we'll be breaking down the Monaco Grand Prix and all the on-track drama. Plus, we'll give out our report card grades for all of the 10 teams on the grid. I'm Tony Desiri, and this is the Overtake F1 podcast. Once again, if you've been listening to this podcast, for a while, please consider subscribing and leaving us a five-star review if you think we've earned it. We really appreciate it. It really helps the uh, algorithms and helps us in promotion. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Tony D Radio, and you can also email the show at Tony D Radio Show at Yahoo.com. All right, we can't start a review of the Monaco Grand Prix on Sunday without talking about what happened in Saturday's qualifying. The run that Verstappen made in Q3 to make up three tenths on the final second was one of the best qualifying moments in a long time in Formula One. Now, I know there were a lot of people wanting to see Fernando Alonso on pole, and I was like the millions of people around the world who thought it was going to happen when Verstappen had cleared the tunnel going into the Nouvelle Chicane, and he was behind the pace. The shorter section in Monte Carlo Verstappen needed to make up three tenths and he got it. He got pole position flying around that final sector. And it was just thrilling, absolutely thrilling for a race that, you know, we've commented on before. And you probably heard throughout the commentary through the weekend there. It's not the most thrilling race on Sunday. So it gave you something pretty exciting on Saturday. And we all know that if you go to Monaco on a Sunday, what you're looking for is something chaotic. You want some sort of upheaval in the order, maybe a little rain, maybe a red flag, maybe a few safety cars, something along those lines. Because if you don't, you're just going to be pretty much getting a train on a track where overtaking is really, really hard. Now, I have no idea what a pole position start would have done for Alonso had he held that. If Max Verstappen was right behind him in P2, my guess would have been at some point Verstappen would have found a way past him. Again, overtaking is really, really hard to do, but I got to think at some point Verstappen would have made a move at the Nouvelle Chicane or at the Anthony Nose or someplace like that. He would have probably found his way around the Aston Martin. I mean, we don't know the tire strategy if Alonso had started from pole position. So there's a number of things we don't know, but given the strength of Red Bull, it's likely Verstappen still would have won the race. But Alonso starting at pole position would have allowed us a little bit more optimism that Red Bull wasn't going to run away with this thing with Verstappen at the helm. Because Sergio Perez crashing and qualifying meant that Red Bull was only going to attack this circuit with one guy. And that was the guy that's leading in the points and has had won three of the five races prior to Monaco. But there were some other things that were going on from this race, and one of them was Charles Leclerc. His story going into the Monaco Grand Prix, of course, everyone knows he's a Monegasque. It's his hometown race. He grew up in that area, wants to win it badly, but the last couple of years, he's sort of been cursed a bit. Had gearbox trouble two years ago, couldn't even start the race. Had pole position last year, and they double-stacked him. Had problems and strategy problems. Cost him a chance at winning that Grand Prix, which was won by Sergio Perez. Well, the curse continued for Charles Leclerc. He had a third-place start after qualifying, but it became a P6 after a three-place grid penalty he was issued after he impeded a run by Lando Norris. So it has been a very difficult season for Leclerc, Ferrari in general, but mostly for Leclerc. 
it's been even harder because his bad luck at his home circuit really was a spotlight on Ferrari. Maybe one day he can cross the finish line of Monaco winner, uh, but the last three years have just been wild. I mean, just a different storyline for each one. It's one thing or another with him when it comes to his hometown race. So Verstappen began the race on the medium tires and Alonso started on the hards. That was a strategy that would allow him to go long, maybe something coming up on the Grand Prix that would allow that strategy to give him the lead, but Max was able to get a lot out of the medium tires, including staying out just long enough when they made the right call when the rains came and the team and him wanted enters. But it was a typical Monaco race at the start. The upfront positions, they went pretty much unchanged for the first 20 laps or so. There's a bit of traffic and back in the pack, there's some bumping around, but that's what you get in this race. There's a lot more try- people trying to get some positions in the back of the pack. They bump into each other at various parts of the Grand Prix, but you pretty much look up front and it goes unchanged for the first 20 laps or so. And that's pretty much what happened here. Like, for example, on the opening lap, Lance Stroll tried to uh, make some moves. He fell back four places, had a puncture. He was trying to get around Logan Sargent on the outside of the hairpin, which is really, really hard to do. That didn't pay off very much. Sargent was mad on his radio. But those are the kind of things you see in the back of the pack as guys are trying to see if they can move up a little bit uh, to get in striking distance of some of the points. But one of the early battles that we saw was between Ferrari's Carlos Sainz trying to catch Alpine's Esteban Ocon for P3. On lap 11, the Ferrari went into the back of the Alpine. He suffered some front damage, had a part of his wing dangling off the car, but he did stay out, and it did finally fall off around Casino Square. He got a black wipe, but nothing else after that. Verstappen, he had a seven-second lead in this Grand Prix after lap 17. Again, he's using the medium tires, Alonso on the hards, but now the mediums were starting to have some graining. Verstappen was running on them on lap 34 when he radioed in to say, I mean, this is like becoming undrivable. But the team at that point said, Max, you got to stay out. If you come in, we're going to lose the lead to Alonso. So go a little longer on the mediums. But what we were seeing with drivers that were on those medium tires is there was some graining. Uh, Logan Sargent, for example, not to pick on the rookie, but he had such a problem with that and um, that cars were going past him. He had three guys just flying past him. I think there was a little bit of a puncture there, too. But he really had problems on the medium tires. Now, Ocon, who was riding third, came in on lap 33. He had a very slow start, over four seconds. And he was fighting both Ferraris at the time. Signs comes in a lap later. But Ocon beats him out when Signs comes out of the pits. And he wasn't able to take advantage of Ocon's slow start and gain a position. So Ocon remains ahead of Signs as they're both kind of looking up at Mercedes drivers who hadn't pitted yet. But Signs was furious. I mean, he was furious. He wanted Ocon, but the team wanted him to stay out in front of Hamilton. And Signs had none of that. He was saying, I'm not concerned about Hamilton. And he wanted Ocon, and he didn't get him. Uh, But most of the action, as I mentioned before, was happening in the back with cars hitting the back of each other on, uh, it was like from 15 down to 20. You had a lot of action of bumping and grinding on the track back there. Nothing was happening up front. Uh, George Russell did radio in on lap uh, 51. He radioed in to say it was spitting in turn three. It was just a little bit of rain, but then the story of the Grand Prix really kicks in. So, 
Part one, not much. There's a little bit of trying to undercut, overcut, but not much. Verstappen's way ahead. Alonso's in second. You've got guys trying to, again, pit at the right times to change tires. Some bumping and grinding going on behind you. Typical Monaco. Now we're interesting because the rain is starting to come down. How hard? Where? These were the big stories of the early part of part B of the Monaco Grand Prix. Verstappen radios in, he says it's raining too. So the spitting is now turning into raining. And it's mostly raining around Portier, the hairpin, all that side of the circuit. It becomes super slippery over there. So Verstappen radios in, he tells the team it's raining. Now this is where Red Bull was smart because they say to him, stay out, you tell us when you want to come in, right? Because cars were starting to come in for inners. You know, it was dry in some parts of the circuit. Now, if it's dry, if the inters are running on dry, they tend to overheat and they lose grip. So you need it to be wet for the inters to work. That sounds pretty obvious, but I mean, some of you might go, well, why can't you just run on the inters? Well, you really don't want to run on the inters for most of the track that's dry if for just part of the track that is wet. You kind of can maneuver like ice through the wet stuff, but get your advantage on the track that's dry. That's a key point because this is where the Grand Prix got really interesting. On lap 54, Aston Martin calls in Fernando Alonso. The team decides to put him on slicks and he's going to go back. He's going to go to the medium tires. He's on the hards. He's going to the medium tires. Now, there's a couple of reasons because of that. Mike Crack said afterwards, we can get to that in a second, but there's also a couple of things that you could probably figure out. Um, are they waiting to see if there's a safety car? Is there red, is there a red flag? Did he really feel like, Hey, it's dry enough that we're and the rain is going to stop. There's a couple of reasons why the team did this, but it's a gamble that does not pay off at all because it cost him a chance to be the leader of the race. Red Bull, on the other hand, played it correctly. Now, I should say, actually, that it was Max Verstappen who played this correctly because it was Verstappen who told them, enters, when they told him Alonzo was coming in and got mediums. So they're letting their driver know, hey, the guy that's behind you, he just came in and got mediums. And and Max says, enters, enters, enters. And they go, okay, we're going to get you into He's not having it. Whatever strategy Aston Martin's on, nothing, he, he wants nothing to do with it. Even if, at this point, the inters are going to not be effective enough on the, from the, on the, where it was dry. Okay? So, this is why Alonzo's strategy ends up not working out. Because as soon as Verstappen comes in for inters, Aston Martin knew that they made a mistake. They have, they have to have him come back into the pits to get another set of tires. So this is a 20-plus second stop at any chance that he had of getting the lead of this Grand Prix and holding off or stapping for the final 20 laps or whatever it was, went out the window. So he has to come in. And when Verstappen leaves with the inners and Fernando Alonso is back out with the inners, Verstappen's lead is about 18 seconds. So again, the strategy for Alonso to go out on slicks did not pay off, and it was quick that it was not going to pay off. That being said, why did Fernando Alonso and Aston Martin do this? Well, there was a couple of reasons. One, like I said earlier, intermediates don't work if you're on dry tires. You can't just ride around on inners. They overheat, you lose grip, and it, 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 it's, not a, it's not a good tire to be on, even if a portion of the circuit is wet. So they thought 
that the slicks were doable in the area of the track where you're going slow anyway, you're like going around the hairpin down to Portier. Can we, if we can just get through that, we're going to gain the speed necessary against everyone else when enters on the portion of the track that's dry. But they also thought the weather was, it was only going to come down a little bit and it was going to dry out really quickly and the sun was going to come back out and it was just sort of a quick little shower and it was going to end. That wasn't the case. It was really coming down. So they nixed that idea immediately. I mean, think about it in the, in the seconds, uh, whatever long Alonzo took for that first lap on the medium tires, probably 90 seconds or so. They figured this wasn't a good idea at all. So it didn't take them five or six laps. It took them one lap to realize they had made a mistake. Now, Ferrari, they had both of their tires on mediums, uh, a gamble that they wanted to stay out to see if again, they could you know, could get a red flag, could get something that would allow them to keep their track position while everybody else had gone in for enters. And it's not a bad strategy. You know, you just kind of gamble with it and see. But in the end, they had to come in. And when they had to come in, they had to double stack. Um, so when they came in to double stack, that they lost any chance they had at a podium. Carlos Sainz was battling Esteban Ocon for a good portion of the Grand Prix, but it was kind of thrown out the window. Sainz really took the brunt of that, uh, of that double stacking. Leclerc and him just, just did not um, get back on the racetrack for a decent enough finish for them. Then, Look, 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 they were they weren't able to overcome George Russell, who slid off the off the track. And when he came back out, hit Sergio Perez. He got a five second penalty, but it didn't affect his place at all. So that was the chaos of the Grand Prix. But when it was all said and done, it was Verstappen with the victory and Fernando Alonso got a P2, his first P2 uh, of the season. And the world is still happy for Fernando Alonso for being a part of a team that is competitive enough to be podium. You know, somebody's got to be on the podium if Red Bull's taken two spots and Fernando Alonso's been that guy. And when one of the Red Bull drivers, Sergio Perez, who had a horrible day, is not going to be on the podium, he gets a P2. And then Esteban Ocon for Alpine, who desperately needed something good to happen, they get the P3. So again, most of this Grand Prix was, I mentioned earlier, it was like a two-part play. The first part was pretty much everything you thought the Monaco Grand Prix was going to give you, and it gave it. No, there's really no difference than any other Monaco Grand Prix that we've seen in the past with some, you know, with uh, you know a couple of things that went on behind them. But the second part, that's where this Grand Prix can be really fun. This is not the most exciting race on the calendar. Everybody knows that. It's not the place where you're going to see a lot of overtaking. Everybody knows that. As we mentioned earlier, and a lot of people have said over over the years, if this was a new idea for the for Monte Carlo and the Principality to create a Grand Prix and showed Formula One the circuit, they would have turned it down. It's just because they've been running that thing since 1929. It's historic. It's glamorous. It has a level of importance in the world of motorsports. But this is when this race really shines. This is when this race really has a has a moment of people discussing the outcome. And I think it was good for Formula One in this Grand Prix to have a story like the mistake of Aston Martin, or at least the gamble. If you don't want to call it a mistake, call it at least a gamble to try to see if they can do something. Now, the good news for Aston Martin is it wasn't disastrous, right? It wasn't a, a huge mistake. You know, they, they put him out on slicks. It didn't work. They get him on inners. Eh, 
all right, he still gets P2. He probably would have been P2 anyway. He would have had the lead of the Grand Prix based on a lot of people's mathematics and and, and looking what the lap times were, et cetera. Some who say no, but a lot of people figured, yeah, no, he probably would have had the lead if he had gone on inners first because there, there was this situation where you have, you're on inners, you're getting taking advantage of the inners in the wet, and Verstappen is still going really slow. There's a little traffic ahead of him, but he's going like, a snail's pace around Portier. He hits the wall, clips the wall a little bit. He's going around real slow. You're making up that ground. So you you can get near him enough that when he pits for the inners, you take the lead of the Grand Prix. And that's basically what they were trying to do with him on mediums instead, thinking that it was going to clear up and he would have that advantage. But that wasn't the case. It was not the case. So they took a gamble. It didn't work, um, but it didn't cost him anything. So that was the story of the Monaco Grand Prix. Overall, I thought it was thrilling fun, at least the second part of it. I thought it was cool to have a strategical element back in play. You're not going to get that a lot of the times in a regular race when Verstappen is a nine-second lead, right? It's just, that's just not going to happen. I mean, Verstappen would have to go into the pits and his lug nut would have to jam or something. For some, I mean, we saw that happen to Valtteri Botas, but when even when we saw a very, very, very slow pit stop that he had at the U.S. Grand Prix back in October of last year, he just made up for it when he gets back on the circuit. But Monaco's a different beast than Coda or any other place. So overall, I was very entertained by it uh, with the second half. I love the fact that the rain came in and, and played a, a role in the story uh, because otherwise it would have been boring, and I think it needed a little spice, and I'm glad Mother Nature chipped in. All right, so let's get to the team report cards, shall we, with 10 teams on the grid. This is where we give them a letter grade based on their entire weekend. We start with Red Bull, and I gave them a B. Verstappen wins another. It's another feather in the cap for the 2023 season. They've won all six races. Uh, no team is even capable of taking a fight to them. This weekend could have been better if it wasn't for Sergio Perez crashing and qualifying. However, this time it didn't cost Verstappen a run at pole position. <laughs> Perez's championship run, though, did take a major hit. He finished P16. They pitted him early to get him on uh, hard tires. Uh, the strategy was just get off the tires you're on, get on the hards, run it till the end. Had some contact with Lance Stroll, had to pit again. Uh, plus, he had to change for inters. So it was, just a, it was just a mess. He was in the back. He never caught anything going, and he couldn't u- utilize any strategy. But let's all be honest here. It was a, it was a phony strategy anyway. He, he, he wasn't going to climb through at Monaco. It's so hard to overtake there. And he could have made those hard tires last all through the Grand Prix. I don't think it would have put him in any real decent shape to go after some points but it was least it was worth trying you got to do something so you can't just put them on mediums and have them roll around at the back end for 30 laps and then bring them in for hards and then i don't know hope for the best this was a strategy that was worth gambling on it just didn't work out there was too much he was getting in he was getting into everybody and everybody was getting into him and it was just just a weekend to forget but as for verstappen i gotta tell you that was a great run on the medium tires it really was i mean he was able to go much, much longer than the team wanted him to. And and I think obviously making the change to inners, making it his call, he made the right call. Um, in, it was just a masterclass once again. So they get a B because Sergio Perez's weekend was a mess, but Verstappen's not only overall dominance, but his brilliance on running those medium tires down as far as they possibly could get uh, before they changed the inners was as brilliant as well. 
All right, Aston Martin, I gave them a B because it was a fantastic finish for Fernando Alonso. That's a P2. It's the first time this season that he's had P2 on the podium. He was oh so close to pole position, but the team did make that mistake. They brought him in for the slicks when everyone was getting intermediates. Again, it was a gamble that didn't cost him, but it was a gamble that also cost him a chance to win the Grand Prix. So he didn't go down from P2 to P3 or P4. He was P2. He stayed P2, but he could have had a shot at winning this, and they just made the wrong, wrong decision. Uh, give him all the effort for taking a gamble, but they just got some bad intel on the weather. Um, so I'm not sure, though, as I said earlier, it would have meant a win because we know that Verstappen had a really strong car, and on the inters he would have, might have found a way to pass him. But again, because it's Monaco, it, your your chances to do that are few and far between. Alonso defends like a lion, so we would have had something more interesting to talk about. But the reason they get a B is because Lance Stroll had a really bad weekend, too. He had to retire the car after sliding on the track. He damaged his front. He made a lot of contact with cars. Like I say, trying to go around Logan Sargent on the opening lap on the outside of the hairpin. You don't see very many people attempting that. Um, so like Red Bull, this is very similar. We have one driver that really was exceptional and another driver that just had a really, really bad day. Aston Martin's getting the same grade. They're getting a B. Mercedes. I gave them a B+. Plus. Um, it was an upgrade weekend for the Silver Arrows. Monte Carlo was not going to really be the place you were going to see those up, up, upgrades take a hold. But nevertheless, they said that there was some performance um, improvement with those upgrades. But they are all both all really excited about Barcelona this weekend. Both of them. George Russell and Lewis Hamilton both can't wait to get to Barcelona for see really what this update package can do. Hamilton finished fourth. He was very happy with the Grand Prix. Russell finished fifth and was kind of excited kind of filled with some stuff for George Russell. He did have that penalty for hitting Perez. It didn't cost him the P5 finish. Both drivers, again, really excited about the upgrades at Barcelona next week, but they felt pretty good about the result in Monaco. Great job going to the intermediates earlier than most of the teams. Um, that really paid off because Ferrari was doing the opposite. They were trying to hang out a little bit longer, and both drivers finished ahead of the Ferrari. So it was a very good uh, strategic move to try to get to the intermediates really, really quickly. As soon as the rains were starting to come down, other teams were kind of you know, hemming and hawing a little bit, but Mercedes went right for it, getting them on those inters pretty quickly. Um, Ferrari, I gave them a C minus. Carlos Sainz finished sixth. Charles Leclerc finished eighth. The weekend was very, very messy for the Scuderia, and I'm getting kind of tired of saying this. Um, Leclerc had a three-place grid penalty from qualifying after he impeded Lando Norris, so he started sixth after a good P3 run in qualifying. Actually had provisional pole until Alonso and Verstappen crossed the line, but nevertheless had P3, and then whoops, okay, we get penalized, so we're starting sixth. You start sixth in Monaco, you ain't winning the race. It's just that simple. You ain't winning the race. And so any feelings that Ferrari could do something were dashed when that penalty came down. Signs hit Ocon, damaged his front plate. He was pretty upset. The team was more worried about Hamilton and his pursuit of Esteban, and then his pursuit of Esteban Ocon, as we mentioned earlier. They did try to stay out with the slicks, hoping a safety car. I don't blame them for that strategy. The cars ahead of them um, that were at that moment, Verstappen and a couple of they were on in uh, Alonso, especially they were on slicks too. But then those guys came into inners. By the time it was time for them to come in for inners, they had to double stack. Um, they double stacked last year. That was a strategic element. They kind of had to double stack this time around. So that wasn't a mistake or a miss radio cue. They just had to do it. Alpine. Uh, I gave them an A. Uh, this was a season's of problems. I remember Laurent LaRossi was saying how this team was amateurish. 
And they, they've been a mess this year. Let's be honest. They crashed into each other at Australia on the red start, on uh, the red flag restart. They've been a mess. I mean, we know these two guys aren't really friendly, but uh, it's not been a very good season for either one of them. But this was something cool that they needed. I mean, they needed a, a Grand Prix like this. And Esteban Ocon delivered. He started third and finished third. I mean, what more can he ask? Held off everyone that was trying to make a move to that point. I mean, there were two drivers that were a class above everybody else in this Grand Prix, and that was Max Verstappen and Fernando Alonso. And Esteban Ocon was the best of the rest. He held off Carlos Sainz. He held off Lewis Hamilton. He held off George Russell. He, Pierre Gasly finished seventh. I mean, so he got himself in the points. It was a double points weekend. But the podium was probably the biggest thing for Alpine, and it was definitely the biggest thing they've done all year. I mean, this is this is a great, great finish for them. Uh, it's been a rough season, and then they get the podium, and they were all celebrating. So it's an A. It's an A for Alpine. Uh, McLaren, I, I gave him a B. Uh, both drivers picked up some points. They got a ninth and 10th place finish. It wasn't like they got high up in the points. But given where their season has been going this year, this is a pretty good, this is a pretty good day. They'll take it. Uh, especially Piastri, he gets a point in his Monaco F1 debut. Uh, Lando Norris finished ninth. He was pretty pleased with that result. The team had a pit stop before the rain, so then they had to pit again. But they were able to take advantage of some braking problem by Yuki Sonoda. And again, both drivers finishing in the points. So good for McLaren. That's a B, uh, given what their season has been so far. Alfa Romeo, a C. Valtteri Bottas finished 11th. He finished just outside the points. Joe Guanyu finished 13th. And that, it wasn't really a bad day for the team. It wasn't anything special. Uh, Botas made up four places. He liked the upgrades, admitted it was really tricky out there when the rains came. They made the decision early, and it paid off when they went to Inters. Joe started on softs to see if he'd make up some places, but then immediately went to the hards. It was a similar strategy to um, Checo, uh, but the rains unfortunately ruined that. But again, it's a, it's a pretty good finish for Joe Guanyu, who uh, was down at the back of the pack at the start of the Grand Prix. Alfatari, I gave them a C plus. Now I've been very hard on Nick DeVries this season. He's not really popped, but uh, and even the media was speculating that he could be replaced on the team. But he finished twelfth in its best finish of the year. And I really don't remember him being involved in anything during the race. I mean, I rewatched it and I don't remember. Didn't see. Nick DeVries being involved in anything. It was a pretty quiet day for him. Sonoda, though, that was kind of a different story. He was running ninth, and as I've been saying all season, I think Yuki Sonoda, I mean, outside of Red Bull, I mean, he's been, and Fernando Alonso, he's been one of the more consistent drivers this season. I mean, he finishes around 11th, 10th, 9th. He's in, in that sort of window where Alpha Tari is expected to be competitive. That's where he's finishing, and that's kind of so he's he's getting the most out of that car, and he's getting the mo most out of the expectations of that car. But this was kind of a different one. He, he had real problems with braking; the braking was wearing on him. Um, they told him that they that at one point he needed to push, and he needed to push in the braking zones, and he freaked out on him, and he said the braking's the braking was terrible. They told him to go to like plan, you know, setting five or something. And he's like, oh, "I'm mean, you trying to get me crashed? Are you trying to get me to crash or something?" So it was it was not a good day for Yuki Sonoda. He ended up 15th, getting pretty testy on the radio late. So it's a C plus for Alfatari. I thought Nick DeVries's day was pretty good, uh, but Yuki Sonoda again just a little bit less than what he's been ex doing all season long. Uh, Williams, I gave them a big fat D. Alex Albon finished 14th, and what he said was a boring race. Didn't have any pace or do anything any at all. But like DeVries, he didn't get involved in anything either. I mean, he wasn't involved in any touch-ups or any problems. Logan Sargent, though, he got tangled up on the hairpin on the first lap. Stroll hit him. So did Nico Hulkenberg. He finished 18th. 
Um, at one point, it, it, when it was dry, they put them on the soft tires because uh, I think they were they, they had to put them on like a quality tire because of the mediums that were wearing out. And it was, I think he had a puncture. So, um, but also they suggested that he was kind of learning, you know. So they were kind of giving him a little bit of lesson to get around Monaco on some softs. But he had a he had a rough day too. And Haas gets an F um, every time Haas was mentioned. During the race, it was not good at all. Hulkenberg tangled with Sargent on lap one. He got a five-second penalty. They didn't serve it properly when he came in, so he got another one. He finished 17th. Kevin Magnuson had to retire after staying out on slicks. He crashed, heading into the pits. He went back out on the inners, but had to come in, call it a day. They tried everything, though. If you want to ask Gunther Steiner, he said the same. He tried everything, but uh, it was a terrible race for Haas. All right, so that'll do it in our review of the Monaco Grand Prix. Another win for Red Bull Racing. Now they head to Barcelona. And so everyone who's excited about an upgrade package is going to be really excited this week. We'll have a preview of that race coming up later on this week. If you'd like to reach me for anything, a question about Formula One or for any reason, you can hit me up on Twitter at Tony D Radio. You can email the show, Tony D Radio Show at Yahoo.com. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Leave us a five-star review if you like what we're doing. Again, it really helps us in algorithms and all that good stuff so be on the lookout for our barcelona preview coming up later this week i'm tony Dazeri. thanks for listening it's the overtake f1 podcast